can pick up your Bibles and head to Psalm 130. We're going to get there eventually. Or your portable reading device of your choice. I'm a wreck this morning. Anybody else a wreck this morning? I, I woke up with a weight of disappointment on my chest. It's so easy to get disappointed. It's so easy to swallow despair. It's so easy to accept Sorrow. We get so disappointed, in, you know, in decisions that we make, decisions that other people make. We get upset with the things we see, and the news can certainly disappoint us, fill us with rage or despair and sorrow. And day after day, it seems like it's just one catastrophic, awful thing that human beings do to one another. I get disappointed with my own reaction to it at times. Because sometimes it's callous and cold, uncaring. And I get so disappointed in myself. Baltimore, Orlando, Dallas, Paris. Racial tension. Sexual tension. And I wonder how I can respond to these things in a way that it could effectively change things. And sadly, more often than not, I find myself coming up empty. Yes, the ultimate answer is Jesus. We know this to be true. So I really feel like God is challenging us today, will challenge us today with what I'm going to share. So let's just get to it. Let's just get to Psalm 130. Because this is really... This is... Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you might be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. 
in His Word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. Oh, Israel. Oh, America. Hope in the Lord for the Lord. With the Lord there is steadfast love and with Him there is plentiful redemption. And He will deem Israel from all His iniquities. I read the psalm and I say I want the hunger of this man that wrote this. There is a deep, passionate hunger in these words. He is crying out to his God, who he knows is the only one that can rescue and redeem and restore. Not only him. And this is a prayer for him first. For his nation. Out of the depths. Out of the, what's the deepest part that you are fearing today? The thing that you just feel like is a pit of despair. He has one. And so he says, out of the depths, I'm crying out to you. That word means, I'm, I'm going to call you out by name. I'm going to have an encounter with you. That word means desiring a, an encounter. It's calling someone out by name, personal name. But it says, I want this encounter with you. Oh, Lord, hear my voice. I'm crying out loud. Let your ears be attentive. Oh, Lord. The ears, turn your ears towards me. To the voice of my pleas for mercy, my earnest prayers. My earnest prayers. If Lord, if you should mark iniquities, if that word means to hedge in. If you should hedge in my iniquities, not do anything about them, not forgive them, just hedge them in, who could stand? The word means continue or abide. He's desperate for forgiveness. He's crying out for forgiveness. He's saying, you know, if you hedge in my sins, if you don't do anything about my sins, I'm not going to be able to continue. I'm not going to be able to abide with you. And then he says, but with you there is forgiveness that you might be feared that you might be revered and worshipped. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in His Word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. He repeats that three times. The word wait here means to combine something together by twisting it together like a cord, like a rope. Waiting here is not just passively sitting. It's an act of He's actively twisting something together, combining something together. And I believe it's this. Hope. 
He's wrapping hope around himself. He's twisting it together. He's entwining it with his very soul, with the very inner man that he is. He's saying, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord. My soul combines, twists hope together because I know who my Redeemer is. Me too. (laughs) I'm tired too. More than watchmen for the morning, he repeats that twice. Interesting thing about a watchman. Watchmen had many duties. The first one was actually to be on the wall watching for danger. The word watchman actually means to lean forward to peer into the distance, to be on alert. Lean forward. Because when it's dark out, you kind of got to really get into it. We're just talking about riding out on a boat at nighttime on a river. You know, you got to kind of slow down. You got to look, peer into the darkness. You got to lean into it. You got to commit to what you're doing. The watchman was yearning for the morning because he's tired. He's tired. He's been awake all night. It's hard work to look into the darkness. It takes all the effort to try to see something that is almost impossible to see when it's dark. So he's he's waiting for the dawn because you know then light comes and and his relief comes and. But there was another thing that he was waiting for. See, this is before Jesus. When the dawn came, they did the very first sacrifice for forgiveness of sins. This watchman is watching. He's peering into the darkness. He has this yearning into his heart. He's saying, oh, if you, if you just hedge in my sins, there is no hope for me. But I learned, I learned for the morning. Because then my redemption comes. Because in you there's much forgiveness. So he's hungry for the morning. He's hungry for the life. He's hungry for the, for the relief of what God has asked him to do. More than a watchman, he says. I am wanting to be forgiven. After he kind of deals with himself here, he starts to make a proclamation for his nation. O Israel, hope in the Lord. And we could say this morning, O America, O United States of America, hope in the Lord, please. Please hope in the Lord. Please. Because with him is steadfast love, immovable love. Love that doesn't move. That's not threatened. And with him is plentiful redemption. I absolutely love that. The word plentiful means increase, abundant. Plentiful. 
plentiful. It's abundant. There's more than enough for our nation. It may be hard to believe that this morning, but there is more than enough because it says it right here. And listen to the hope in this. And he will redeem, ransom Israel from all his iniquities. Wouldn't you like to see that America for America today? But I think the church has lost this hope. They see the evil. They see the wickedness. They see the outright depravity of man. They say, there's no hope for this country. We have... We have a vacancy in leadership, politically. We have people running around trying to lead. That's all I'm going to say. But I think somewhere in all this, when we look at the, at the political situation, at the, we say, man, there's just no hope here. This man has hungry hope for his nation. That he's willing to make a proclamation. He's willing to make this, this call out to him. Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. With him there is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem you from all your iniquities. What a promise for us this morning. So I'd like to ask you a, a question that might challenge you this morning. It might not seem like a challenge, but here's the question. What do you know about God? What is God like? Anybody, shout it out. What is God like to you? Creative. Resourceful. Patient. patient. <laughs> Sometimes maybe too patient. <laughs> Merciful. A mighty rock. Jealous God. Grace. If we know these things about God, He's merciful, resourceful, creative, full of grace, jealous, patient. We could add love and goodness and faithful and come up with hundreds of more words to describe, right? If we know these things about God, if we actually know these things, then why are we afraid to move? Why are we afraid to believe what that scripture says? That there's hope for America. Why do we allow evil to dictate how we feel about God? Why do we allow that? Why do we allow politicians to dictate how we feel about God? Why do we allow anyone that has a social agenda tell us how we should act towards God? If we know all these things about God. 
What I love about this psalm is this man gets it. He understands that everything starts with him first. Before he turns his attention towards the outside world, he says, Lord, man, if you don't redeem me, if you don't forgive my sins, if you don't restore me, I have nothing to offer the world. But because I know you do, I am going to remind the world that I walk in what God can do. That's what that song says. Listen to this quote from one of my favorite authors, Erwin McManus, says this, When you refuse to act on what you know, all that you don't know paralyzes you. Say it again. When you refuse to act on what you know, all that you do not know paralyzes you. Does that make sense? Too often, and you know, I'm not saying you, I'm saying me, okay? Too often, I let what I don't know scare me to death. I let too many things do that to me. But I'm confessing. I want a hunger like this, the man in this psalm. We don't know who wrote it. We can assume David or Solomon, but and there's a couple other guys. But whoever this person is that wrote this psalm got something. Understood something about God's heart. I want that. More and more. Like Sarah said. I'm not desperate enough. I need to be more desperate. You need to be not afraid to lean into the darkness. To peer into the darkness. If we're called to be watchmen, and we are, there's all kinds of watchmen. You know, there was also a watchman at the gate. Not particularly watching for enemies to come in, That was the guy on the wall. He was watching the business transactions that were going on. Making sure everybody was honest. Treating people with fairly. With integrity. The elders met at the gate to make many decisions. The watchmen made sure that they were following the law. We're called to be watchmen wherever we are. We're called to peer into the darkness, to not to be afraid to lean into it. Instead of trying to find ways to escape, letting what they say about Christians push us back into the background so we get so far back no one sees us. And we're ineffective. Because somewhere we lost the hope for this country. Somewhere else. We need to get it back. We need to be the watchman on the wall for this country. It needs to start with us first. Because in Him there's plentiful redemption. The hope of the gospel is the only hope this world has. 
It's the only hope it has. And we are the carriers of this hope. So if we're called to be watchmen, if we're called to be sons and daughters of the Most High, and we are, right? We are sons and daughters of God's Father. And because of that, here's something I refuse to accept. I refuse to accept any label that the world wants to give me. I am not a racist. I am not a homophobe. I am not sexist. I am a son of the Most High. And you are sons and daughters of the Most High. So I will not accept any of those labels. However, however, and this is a big however, I'm going to take all those labels and I'm going to filter them through the, through the Word of God. Especially this verse. Psalm 139, 23-24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. That word, wicked way... Slow down, Jay. That word, wicked, means an idol that causes pain. And see if there be any idol that causes pain in me and lead me, govern me in the way everlasting. I'm going to filter all those labels or any other label that the world wants to throw on me and try to make stick on me. I'm going to filter all those labels through that word. Because although I believe we are no longer dirty, rotten sinners, we have been saved by grace, we have been made new creatures in Christ, we are not dirty, rotten sinners. However, we still sin at times, right? So I'm going to check any label through that scripture to make sure that there's no idol in my heart. Not the idol of my opinion. Not the I have to let the Word of God examine my heart to make sure that there's that every part of my heart belongs to Him. I need Him to consume any idol that I've got in there. And I'm willing to do that. That's why I'm willing not to. I don't want to accept those labels, but I am not stupid enough to think that I couldn't be racist at some point in my life. I'm not stupid enough to think that I couldn't be. I'm a white man who who is had no problem with that so whatever. So I have to examine that in my heart. To do so would not do the scriptures or God's heart justice. Or any other label. We don't have to accept these labels and we should not accept these labels just because people throw them out at us. They're not ours. They don't belong to us. We're sons and daughters of the most high. But we must examine our heart in light of them. We must. Because we don't want any wicked way in us. We want to be moved by the Holy Spirit and love like He does. 
We want to be able to say to our nation, hope in God. He's your only hope. Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. It has to start with us. It just, it just has to. God says, I'm not going to heal anything until you do this. Now this is the prayer that when Solomon is dedicating the temple, this is the prayer that God gives them to pray. He says, if all, any of these things happening, he makes a list of things, pestilence, plagues, bad things. He says, when those things happen, go to your place, the temple at that point, and pray this way. There's a lot of pestilence going on right now in our country. There are a lot of dis-ease in the country. The racial tension is off the charts in this country. We've got to pay attention to this. We live in little, little, little town of High Park. We seem so distant from these things. I, you know, that some of them are across <laughs> states or, or, or great bodies of water. It seems so distant. But it's here. It's everywhere. Because sin is everywhere. See, this is, it's, it's not, this is a sin issue. Plain and simple. Sin causes these things, have caused this thing. Look, when I, when I say I woke up this morning with this great weight of disappointment on my, on my chest this morning, I am disappointed in my nation. That we can kill 60 million babies and think it's nothing. We, we feel the weight of that, whether we know it or not. Even though we had maybe nothing to do with it, we feel the weight of that, that sin. We need to repent for our nation. We need to express His hope. Wherever we go, no matter how dark it seems, no how many corrupt it seems, and no matter who are, is our president of the United States, it doesn't matter. What matters is that God is on the throne. He is sovereign. And He wants to bring hope and redemption to this land of ours. We must humble ourselves. That's why we need to filter these things through Scripture. This is humbling ourselves. I cannot... Ah, I can see that. It's practical steps then. Okay. What can we do? Here's a very simple one. This is extremely simple. But probably the most difficult thing that we get to do. Because... How we approach this dictates where our heart is. Simple step. Watch your words. 
Watch what you say. Watch what you write. What you post. You can never get those words back. Those words you will never, ever get back. The Bible says that words of life come from our mouths or words of death come from our mouths. There's nothing in between. We can add to the frustration, to the disappointment, to the cruelty, to the harshness, to the evil to this world with our words. Watch what we say, what we write. I love Facebook. I think it's a great tool for communication and for connecting with people. But I'm telling you that. I would like to have a sit-down with Mr. Zuckerberg and get him to remove many features. We are not supposed to make this a fight, although we are in a war. We fight this war mostly on our knees. And being on our knees does a couple of things. Obviously, it humbles us. To be on our knees. And a humble place is a good place to be. My people will humble themselves and pray. So when something on Facebook or, or the news media or something that you get an opportunity that you would want to respond to, could your first response be this? This first question that comes through your mind. The words I'm about to say, the words I'm about to write, will they glorify my Father in heaven? And if you can filter your words or your response through that and still be able to post, then God bless you. Because that has stopped many of my responses dead in its tracks. Because Father will say, that doesn't honor me a bit. That's really wonderful verbiage. You, you wrote that eloquently. You made your point wonderfully. But that is not my heart. Don't post it. And I'm a writer. You know I can talk. And I get many opportunities to, to speak my opinion. And in my younger days, I took every advantage of that. When I found is that my opinion, Elvis Presley said, you know, opinions are like noses. Everyone's got one and, everyone, and all of them smell. Please hear my heart in this. I am not telling you not to post, not to have an opinion. I am not saying that. I'm saying, can you filter it through that question first? Will this honor you, Father? If I post this, will I say this in this conversation when someone is attacking the faith and, you know, I feel like I've got to defend it? And that's probably the hardest time when someone's attacking the faith and they're saying all kinds of these labels at you and you want to respond. Can you have that in your heart saying, Lord, my, will my response honor you? Look, we are supposed to be ready to give a word in season and out of season and give a reason for what? Our hope, not our opinion, not what we feel about the gay agenda. 
not what we feel about same-sex marriage. Look, I, you know me. <laughs> marriage is man and wife. I, you know where I stand. But we need to be careful of how we respond to these things. Will our response honor our Father in heaven? Will that bring hope into the situation? Or will it just start an argument? I can't tell you the times that I've said something that has hurt someone. And I'm ashamed for it. There's forgiveness. There's grace. I want you to know I'm extremely careful about when I stand up here every chance I get to share my heart and share what I think God has done. I take this very seriously because I can't get those words back. So a lot of my pauses, I'm just double-checking. I'm running this through this, my this filter here. God, will this, what I'm about to say, will this honor you? I'm doing this as I talk. Sometimes I can't because of, I can't, I'm about to burst in tears. And I, I, honest, I have to catch myself. But I want you to know I take these words very seriously that I speak to you. And I wish and I hope that you filter them, all of them, through his word. And that you would be brave enough and courageous enough to come to me if you think I've misspoken. I'm I'm a big boy. I can take that. And I appreciate when people do. Because that's what your response is. And that's the kind of input and feedback that I need. But I say all that just because I'm careful about my words. I tried to be even more, and I want to be even more careful about them because they matter. The message that we've been given, again, is the only hope the world has. So it's not about the politics. It's not about our Constitution. It's not about our Bill of Rights. It's not about that, that we live in, we do live in a great country. And I love being an American. And I think this is still the greatest country on the planet. But you know what? It needs God, and it needs God desperately. It doesn't know how desperately it needs God. And that's part of the mission that we've been sent on, to go into all the world and make disciples of all men. There is no criteria there. It's just all. We've got to be willing to lean into the darkness, to peer ahead, to be willing to send a message of hope, truth. We don't have to, we don't have to accept any lies, and we don't have to, to diffuse or dilute our message or what, our beliefs. I'm not saying that. We stand on the truth. We have the truth. We've been given the truth. This, this is the truth. There is no other truth. This is it. We live by it and we're going to die by it. We make no excuses for what we believe. But we can deliver that message with hope. And I believe that we should. Amen? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for expressing your heart towards us. I ask, Father, that as we leave this place, we would remember your instruction to to humble ourselves. To be so hungry for you that you consume every part of us so that we can love more effectively in this world. So I ask that for all of us, that you would consume us with your great love. That day by day, our desperate for you would grow and grow, that our hunger for you would grow and grow, 
that we will never be satisfied because we were, we're just so hungry for you. Like your son said, he said that my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. Let that be our prayer too. Our desire. To be like Jesus. That our very substance, our very nourishment is to do your will. That we love you so desperately. That it is no problem to humble ourselves. To pray. And to seek redemption for ourselves and for our nation. So right now, Lord, we pray collectively for our nation. We ask that you will forgive it. We ask that you would bring redemption. That you would open up hearts and minds and spirits to receive your son, Jesus Christ. We say to the darkness in this land that the church knows who you are. And the church comes against you with the blood of Jesus Christ. And the church comes against you with his power, with his sovereignty. And he tells you that this nation belongs to the King of Kings. We claim it to be so. And we come against you with his truth, and with his power, and with his might. And we say to you, enemy, you cannot have this land. This land belongs to the King. So, Father, we ask that you would come now and you would begin, even now, work on the hearts of our leaders. Those in power and those about to be. We pray that you would change their hearts, that you would get in there and that you would convict them of their sin and that they will cry out to the only hope that there is, is you. We pray for every critical... We pray for law enforcement. We pray for any political group. We pray for all groups. We pray for every church. We pray that all our hearts, we will be willing to humble ourselves, pray and seek forgiveness that you might heal our land. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.